welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have with me, as always, my co-host and friend, Grant McGalliard. Grant, how are you? Parker, it is Victory Sunday. Uh, the United States just beat Europe in the Ryder Cup, 19-9, so, so I'm buzzing. I've already completely forgotten about everything that happened from 11 to 2.30 p.m. Central. Is that rugby? Yesterday. Is Ryder Cup rugby? Uh, close. It's, it's actually hurling. Um, it's kind of a niche niche thing. No, it's golf. Uh, it, it was a great time. Uh, how are you? I am doing all right. I have watched more football this weekend than I've watched like the last five weekends, which is great. There were some really fun games yesterday, and I think I've reached a zen point in my life where I'm not like – there at no point yesterday was like I emotionally angry about TCU losing. I was just like, yeah, this sucks, man. This is uh, – this is just bad, uh, and that's that's where we are. That's the state of TC's program. That's the state of my investment in it. Uh, it it's bad. It's just bad. Yeah, that, that was a game where, I mean, you and I try to divorce ourselves a little bit, at least when doing quote-unquote analysis. I, I, yours is actual analysis minus quote-unquote, but we try to divorce ourselves a little bit from being fans. Um, that was really easy yesterday because uh, it didn't hurt as bad as I thought it was going to as I was watching it. it it just was like huh yeah no no this is not a good football team yeah that, I mean that, that's all what it come down to is like I don't expect anything out of this football team um it, it, especially with that defense I mean Grant a, a, a white guy with a neck roll averaged almost seven yards a carry against TCU yesterday there, there was no trickeration there was no scheme uh nonsense there wasn't you know 2019 there's a couple crazy plays and they want it's just SMU just lined up and beat TCU I have Grant so let's do some first principles. Sorry, 42-34. It wasn't good. Um, I have SMU with 41.26 expected points, Grant. Exactly their score. Like, nothing they got was fluky. No field position advantage. Um, turnovers were in favor of TCU. And I have TCU at, at 29 expected points over the course of 11 drives. So um, all, all in all, just just a game where there wasn't a you know a single oh we can explain this play it was silly and this is why they lost. Uh, just generally, SMU lined up and, and beat uh, beat TCU and, and took advantage of every opportunity. Yeah, so I watch a lot of high school football games in Texas, and watching a lot of high school games, it's clear often when one team is better coached. Let's say right, so you're like oh like no this team like maybe they have better athletes maybe. But what they run may not even need to be innovative. It just needs to be executed well. And that was SMU on offense against TCU. And it's one of the few games I can remember against a Gary Patterson coach defense where the other team is just straight up out-executing you yeah. on offense. There's, there's, it's, it wasn't moments of individual brilliance. I mean, there were a couple nice catches, a couple nice throws. Ulysses Bentley broke. But it, it was just they just executed everything. They put the receivers where they wanted them to be, and the TCU defenders were not there. Yeah, um, they 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 weren't. They were largely lying lying on the ground. Uh, I I thought this was really really funny that um, the the PFF has twenty missed tackles for TCU, and that feels low. And then I realized that's just times when TCU defenders tried to tackle and missed. It doesn't account for how many times TCU defenders just weren't even in the right place to make to make a tackle right. and just absolutely. 
blew their assignment. So um, a really, 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 really bad showing uh, all around. TCU, positive EPA per pass, 0.553. SMU, 0.723. A lot of explosive passing. And then, Grant, the difference really comes down to TCU's rush game, 0.069 EPA per rush and SMU's 0.256. So everything was was pretty much even in this game, except that uh, SMU was able to just run all over TCU. Um, Grant, I, I tweeted this last night, and if, if I had woken you up on Saturday morning with a text, and I said, Grant, today... Which you often do, for the record. Uh, TCU is going to average 3.09 points per drive. Max Duggan's going to average 17.25 yards per completion. He's going to throw three touchdowns, no picks. And Zach Evans is going to rush for 113 yards, 7.53 yards per rush. And three TCU wide receivers are going to have 50-plus yards. What is your response? It's a pretty good day on offense. Hell yeah, I'm Probably taking that. that That's exactly what I want against SMU, right? I you, I, I I'm not mad about I'm I'm mad about some of the things that they did on offense because I feel like they could have scored more. But that is such a marginal backseat to complaint uh, to just the absolute apathy with which which the defense attacked SMU yesterday. And I shouldn't even say attacked, with which the defense was on the field with SMU yesterday because it was a, yeah. a pitiful performance. It was pitiful. And there were arrangements in the secondary that we have been wanting to make in terms of the starting lineup. Um, didn't matter. Okay, number nine played anyway and got burnt on the touchdown. He forced a guy out of bounds, guy came back in and scored anyway. Um, it, it, just a complete lack of effort. No sacks from the, from the front line uh, against the SMU offensive line that was we were talking was not that good coming no. into this game. And TCU got zero pressure on Mordecai, who had all day to throw, I, and receivers are breaking into wide open space. Everything we freaking talked about didn't happen on defense. Like, yes, just... Okay, so but I, I want to get granular before we get we, we we have to zoom we have to zoom out. Um, TCU had a bye week before this game. Yeah, and they came out and looked absolutely on awful on defense. The initial response is going to be, well, Bethley was out and Coleman was out and Noah Daniels isn't playing. And here's what I want to say: is one in training camp, Kari Coleman got hurt. And that injury, Grant, was was understated. And what happened was we heard from state media about how good Horton was going to be there at the defensive end and how, honestly, Horton might be winning the job because obviously Kari Coleman was more hurt than than, than was being let on. Yeah, and, and, and they didn't tell us. I mean, you said more than being let on. I mean, that was a complete smokescreen the entire time because this is apparently, you know, the Ministry of Information where – they dole out what gets released and what doesn't. It, it, it's ridiculous, Parker. It, it really is, and just the just the um, the idea that somehow knowing what's actually going on is going to create some kind of intolerable uh, competitive advantage or disadvantage, rather that 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 we can't even say here's here's the truth. We have a really good defensive end. He's got a lower leg injury. It's we're just not going to be able to do anything with him right now. Um, how long how long in advance of the game did they know Bethley was going to be out? That's, that's a great question. Yeah. There's two weeks of practice. Yeah. Bethley is healthy earlier this season. And either you did something in practice to get him hurt, or it was a freak accident in practice and he got hurt, uh, or he got hurt the day before. And, and all three of those things that happened are, are different for our interpretation of why the interior defensive line is so bad. Noah Daniels. Grant, stop counting on Noah Daniels. That's not to you. That's that's the TCU coaching no, staff. Why did you practice all offseason like your secondary was going to have Noah Daniels? Um 
Why, why do you have no contingency? Because they have no contingency for him not being there. Um, just, just absolutely and, and insane no, to me. And on the Daniels thing, I think they expected a couple of guys on the back end to be better than they are. Which, again, you could blame that and say you should know how to evaluate, evaluate your own players. Um, listen, you know, I, I don't know why. Okay, we've avoided saying C.J. Caesar's name this entire time. He's number nine. I was about to call out a player. I'm just going to do it anyway. You and I are both members of the Bud Clark Hive, uh, or were entering the season. He's not been as good as advertised. No. He hasn't. T.J. Carter, not been as good as advertised. Nope. And, 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 and so if you can't – sorry, go ahead. Some go ahead. of that's inter- interdependent processes, right? Like sure. Some of that is because sure. you're playing – not playing alongside the group of guys you thought were going to be playing in the same position. Like there's been position changes and everything. So I think that that was just all very, very thin to start out, and there was a vision where that worked out really well. And, and, and very clearly, they do not have a handle on it at all. And some guys have been underwhelming because of that. No, I, I think you're right. But, but again, it comes down to, like, no the, – the people that should know the personnel to put on the field the best is the coaching staff. And if, if they can't make proper decisions or if they can't get their guys ready enough to play and compete against SMU, then what are we doing here? Yeah. What are we doing? I, and, you know, maybe the talent isn't there. I don't know. But – Golly, Parker, I can't watch this defense give up 42 points to SMU and 30-whatever to Cal, a team that was not that good. Yeah, and, and, and the big play passing is what gets me. But then, you know, against SMU, just the, the run defense is just, I mean, what, like abysmal. You can lose to a, to a G5 team through trickeration and big plays and, and, you know, being a little slow on offense, whatever. You should not lose to a G5 team where you just lined up and got beat and pushed around like that. Grant, well, I don't understand – uh, maybe we're going position by position here. Maybe we're going to start talking about the defensive line. So, okay, O'Shawn Mathis didn't get to the quarterback at all. Zero sacks. Um, that is a little bit like when uh, 2018, I guess it was, when Shamik Blackshear was so bad that basically everyone yes. could just account for Mathis. He got neutralized. It's it's not like SMU's passing game was was great, right? They had the one long catch to Gray, and then outside of that, Kendall was only. Um, I really should have that. Mordecai, you mean? Mordecai. Mordecai. What did I say, Ken? The other guy, yeah. The other guy. The other Oklahoma transfer, yeah. Um, son of a gun. I don't even know where that went. Kendall completed. It's, it's, okay. uh, it's Mordecai 50, completed. Mordecai, God Lord. 40, <laughs> 50, 58 point uh, something percent of his passes. Like, okay. he, he wasn't very good. They, they did not have – they had 170 yards of the air. Like, it was 100%. They were just able to run the ball, and then at the end, they were able to run the ball in key moments. And TCU couldn't even TCU couldn't even buckle down and get a stop when it was like, okay, quit screwing around, like finish this, get a stop. And, and the defensive interior defensive line is kind of the issue there. And I don't get why guys like what like is why why isn't Kenny Turner good? Why isn't he playing? How is Terrell Cooper? <laughs> well, uh, Turner had Turner only had four snaps. Um, right? Why is he not good enough to to play more? Yeah. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I know what you mean. I'm sorry, I'm just looking. I know PFF grades are fickle sometimes, but I believe that, like, you know, two people can be an outlier. Uh, seven probably means there's a trend. Um, and looking here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven TCU defensive players that played significant amount of downs had tackling grades under 35. Yeah. That's not going to get it done. And that's the thing, too. There were a couple times receivers got open in space, but for the most part, Parker, they just weren't tackling SMU. Yeah, absolutely. They weren't taking the correct angles. They weren't wrapping up. They weren't getting the job done. 50% grant of SMU's uh, rushing offense came after contact. And 
you, Ulysses Bentley averaged over three and a half yards before contact. So on the plays when TCU was hitting him, he was getting open and busting big runs. And in the plays when TCU wasn't hitting him, he was still running over secondary uh, guys in the secondary and getting big runs. So you look at that, you look at uh, Tyler Levine had 3.88. Trey Seegers had uh, 2.39 yards after contact. And so you have three guys with, with just uh, insane yards after contact, especially given that SMU has not had a rushing performance like this at all against uh, under, under Sonny Dykes. Uh, TCU had four... SMU has allowed get your get your stats right, Parker. SMU has gotten 350 rushing yards or 300 rushing yards against four teams, and it's UConn, Texas State, North Texas, and TCU, and then in, in 2021. So that's over Sunday Dykes' whole tenure. Th- those names to be on a list with those names defensively is just inexplicable. To be on to be on any list with yeah. UConn football is terrifying. Uh, but it wasn't just the defensive line to play badly. I mean, D. Winters had a pick, congratulations, but the linebackers were completely out of position the entire time. They were never in the right spot, whether it was a, a you know, kind of swing route out. And, I, and, and again, I know the rushing game is a big part, but for me it's always more noticeable in the passing game when you're totally out of position. Um, I, I'm still working on the definition of a run fit. But they were never in the right spot to get a swing route. They were never in the right spot for any outside run, and they just, they just got abused, Parker. They really, they really did, um, and 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 if you look at, I mean, I don't know how many times I can say something like that. SMU had 15 runs of 10 plus yards on 50 carries. That's 30 percent of total carries went 10 plus on on rushes, and a lot of that grant is because that interior defensive line was getting pushed. Those linebacker run fits were terrible, and the safeties were playing new positions and and were immediately put in this pressure cooker of you have to get this exactly right or this is going to be a big play and, and so they're playing from behind the entire time there um just just absolutely uh physically pushed around uh, uh up front and and just i mean just so frustrating we talked about it uh, with you know if you have a person in a position who is bad that affects the rest of the defense well when you have people in all three areas, defensive line, linebacker, and secondary that are bad, it becomes a vicious circle where it's hard to pick, to, you know, pick who to blame because everyone didn't play well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely, I'm, I'm always looking for, it starts closer to the, uh, you know, it starts hey, up at the kind of the front of the line and, and the further away from the ball in the run game, the, the less important that is. But um, it, it really gets magnified when you get guys out of position. Just looking at some of this stuff. I mean, yeah, the, TCU really didn't rotate very much. Um Basically, you know, uh, 11, 11 guys had, had 50-ish snaps. Uh, and then McQuinn, Bradford kind of switching around there, and, and Foster was playing yeah. some too. And so it wasn't like they, 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 they were rotating a little bit in the secondary. They really couldn't find, you know, where the guys, uh, where their kind of lockdown position was. They, they put Caesar back at corner because Carter is probably better covering for the corners than he is playing corner just in the way that the offense is going right now. But it's not, again, like they were getting murdered in, in coverage. You know, uh, Hodges Tomlinson, 80.5 coverage grade, grade. White Harris, 75. Deshaun McQuinn had 75. Horton had one pass. I don't know why he actually has a grade. So sure. it wasn't like guys were getting, you know, absolutely murdered. Um, it, it was just that, they, they, that TCU had no answer for the run game. And so SMU could do whatever they wanted on defense. And so then we start to talk about how are you in a position where an injury – or two injuries ch- takes you from a competent 
defense with a good reputation to a, just an absolute laughable, abysmal uh, team. And, and that's yeah. really what I'm focusing on here, I think. Yeah, this was something that I hadn't seen before under Gary. I mean, this was something that it, – it, it wasn't that, you know, the defense wasn't talented enough or, or that the defense um, – you know, that there were a couple of big plays, whatever. No, it was SMU steadily moving the ball down the field. And this is an SMU team that is not Oklahoma or prime Oklahoma State or, you know, insert – you know, Ohio State um, when we played them in 2015 uh, uh, or 16, I guess. This was a G5 team moving the ball consistently and steadily down the field, and that cannot happen when your entire identity is we play hard-nosed defensive football and try to get points on the other end in the Big 12. That can't happen because guess what? SMU would be, what, the fifth-best offense in the Big 12? I mean, if they're that, good. Man, their, their offensive line isn't good. Their skill talent's really good. Their offensive no, 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 line's I know. not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what happens when B. John Robinson plays – what happens when even a struggling Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma has time to throw yeah. against TCU? When Jerry Bohannon, hell, when Jerry Bohannon plays TCU, what's going to happen? Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I know these are rhetorical open-ended questions, but Parker, I mean, this is, this, it, it's a disaster. Right. I mean, I mean, we, Grant, let's, let's talk about, you know, we, we talked last week, are we revising our, our, our uh, projections for TCU? This season, uh, up or down from you know over on eight, uh, over on eight and a half, and Grant to get the over on eight and a half, we we need seven wins, and I am looking at this schedule, and looking at this defense, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I see five. That's the thing. Both of us assumed TC would beat SFU. Yeah, needed needed that Which one. May, maybe, yeah, needed it and didn't get it, and now, whoa, boy, not only did we not get it. It doesn't seem likely that we'll get many more. Okay, can I can I can I play my can I put my cards on the table a little bit? Do you know what it means okay. to be uh, Strassian? No, Strassian is you're, where. Uh, yes, you're you're from Vienna. Yeah, no, I think that's Wiener Schnitzel. Um, Strassian oh, right, yes. is where uh, it's kind of a way of communication where you say one thing and you really kind of. Uh, in not saying something else, communicate a message. And so the underlying context, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say that's different from Freudian, which is when you say one thing, but me and your mother. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I would like to admit to you and to everyone, Grant, I, I've been uh, a little Straussian in, in, in talking up 2021 of the year because it should be the year for TCU, right? Everything that yeah. TCU wanted to happen, but Grant, now that it is not the year, what are the implications of that? Um, and, and, and so by talking up 2021 as a year, by saying, look, I'm, I'm going to believe what they're saying about the defense in the um, in spring. And, you know, the offense, they made some changes. It's going to take a step forward. Jerry Kill on the sideline with Doug Meacham, all of these things. If the vision's going to work, it's going to work in 2021. And very clearly we're seeing that the vision is, is not going to work. This roster is not constructed well. This team is not at the top of their development cycle. And, and so we need to the, – the kind of looming theme of the last couple months has been if this isn't the year for TCU, what are we talking about? So, so let me be, I think, a little less Straussian but also not – what you're saying is that if 2021 isn't the year, 2021 might be the year. Indeed. 
Um, okay. And unfortunately, it is not going to be. Uh, this is probably no, too no, it sure isn't. Um, no, no, no. I, I think I think our audience is educated enough to know what we're talking about. Th- there's not a world the where that happens. Um, before, no, absolutely not. Yeah. No, but it might be the year where we. You know that Chappelle gif, the the wrap it up. Yeah. 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 It was either, hey, I just bought this baby straight cash or the wrap it up gif. And it looks like it's going to be the latter. Yeah. Um, And that that sucks. That absolutely sucks because the vision was there. Um, And again, you can blame some injuries on the defense here. But but, but Grant, I don't believe that Corey Bethley is the great bulwark uh, between TCU – uh, giving up 350 yards and TCU winning this game by 20. Uh, that, no, that is not the one monocausal thing. Like this was TCU's defense was so thin in so many positions that SMU could do whatever it wanted uh, on, on the ground, which is, um, again, if I, Grant, were running a, a, a Power 5 program and we were struggling, my emphases would be the trenches on both sides of the ball uh, over yeah. almost anything else. And, 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 and very clearly TCU has not prioritized that. Can I point you in a direction? I would love it. When there's there's very current and uh, you know a successful evidence for that theory, which is Arkansas. Yeah. Sam Pittman, an offensive line coach, right by trade, I believe, has turned the Hogs into a daggum wrecking crew by just building really good offensive and defensive lines and saying, "Hey, you're not going to get through, and we're going to get through on you." Worked pretty well. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's what Saban did when Saban came over, is just started starting filling out linemen. That's what Kirby did at Georgia. That That's what Mario's doing at, at uh, Oregon, although he, you know, had to do it a little differently because Pac-12. But uh, but but generally, the, the, the trenches are where you kind of build up. And um, unfortunately, TCU has prioritized um, networks over efficiency. TCU has uh, maybe even over sensibility. And that has resulted with TCU with, with one of the most underdeveloped, um, uh, at least on the offensive side of things, under underdeveloped uh, units. Although the defensive line has not been good since um, the defense line hasn't been good since Banigou was then Bozen. Like, yeah, I mean, but, but the thing is, Parker, they've always had like one standout, right? Yeah. Like, last yeah. year the line, or two years ago the line was a good, but Lucas Nying was there, so cool, right? And then uh, I guess last year, all the years run together. Uh, Ross Blacklock, standout, great yeah. interior defensive lineman. But, awesome. but remember, awesome for all ago, for but, all that Lucas Niang was like he he opted to have not he, no, he opted for right. surgery and said eh, I'm not going to play anymore. No, you're absolutely right. I'm just saying like he there was talent there, but it was yeah. one guy that they lucked into or stumbled into or whatever, and or maybe properly evaluated hell. But um, there, we haven't had a consistent unit on either side in such a long time that that it, it's it's. Shocking, especially because you could you consider, I don't know, is offensive line talent, for example, harder to develop than wide receiver talent? No, I think actually it's probably easier because you just got to get a body with who's athletic, and then you have them lift and eat and practice for two or three years, and then they start for two or three years, and then that that cycle like self reinforces it because then you get these quality guys. And the problem I think kind of comes back to. Um, We've talked about this before, so I won't rehash this, but like the way that TCU runs their program, the way they run their practices does not is not conducive to anyone developing or, or progressing. They are running basically defensive mini games for the entirety of practice. They are blitzing oh, yeah. during the installs. 
Um, and, and that really has kind of shown that there is development. Um, I know we're on a timer, so so can I um, can I pivot? I, we should talk about the offense at some point. We should. I was going to say, yep. Here's what I would do uh, on the defense, because, Grant, this is so bad on defense. And if your defensive line is going to play like this, um, call me crazy. I'm saying we, we can't we can't go with 4-2-5 anymore. We've got to go three down, and that might even need to be 3-4 and not 3-3-5. But I think that you need to have – this is going to be wild. This is my wild idea. You need to have Chad Banks um, or Jamoy Hodge out there with, with Wyatt Harris and Dean Winters. You need to have three of those guys out there because even if Jamoy Hodge is basically like a defensive end who is uh, stopping the run up the middle or so, you know, he's a defensive lineman, but he's a little more agile, um, I might even, at this point, if things are actually this bad, which, which they look like they are, um, if, if Dylan Horton and, and – and, Charles Cooper and Earl Barquet are going to be your three guys. I might, I might just stop by Marcel Brooks' locker room, uh, locker, and just be like, "Hey, man, yeah, I just need it for a couple games. Can you just, can you just line up and go get the quarterback? I know you can. I know you're a good wide receiver. I know that we could find touches for you. Is he? I need. Is he? Who cares? You got to tell. I'm him. not sure he is. You got to tell him that. Oh well, I yeah, okay. Just I just wanted to make sure. Go to him, and you've got to say, "Dude, I've seen you on special teams." I know you like this part of the game, even if you want to succeed offensively. He had a big hit on special teams yesterday. Yeah, yeah, he made a good play. I I specifically had that stuck in my mind. And be like, dude, I need somebody who can get after the ball. Clearly, you know what that's like at the SEC. Come do that. Come do that. I don't know why he switched positions. I just think that was dumb generally. But he he didn't – I mean, he didn't fit great into TC's offensive scheme. But now that TC's offensive – now that TC doesn't have the the personnel for their defensive scheme, I I, I mean – you gotta, well, you gotta do what you can do because you can't you can't just sit with the secondary and this defensive line like one of them has to change. Now that TCU doesn't have an offensive scheme, you might as well go to the defense. I mean, honestly, hell, put Max Duggan at linebacker. <laughs> He's aggressive. He could he could be the next Joel Landing. Let's talk about the offense, Parker. Where, where do you want to start? Uh, I mean, it, you have to talk about the offensive line. You can't talk about the offensive line enough early in the game. SMU said exactly what we thought. Hey, we're going to try and make you beat us with Max. We're going to drop three. We're going to play some zone and make Max make decisions. And Max did great. Um, uh, Almost almost 100 yards lost to drops this game um, and did really, really well. And then I I posted a a thread on this on Twitter. One, one, TCU had some really untimely penalties, almost a touchdown's worth of negative value from penalties this, this week. But TCU had some untimely penalties. One of them resulted in TCU right after Max Duggan got absolutely murdered on an unblocked uh, four-man pressure, Duggan... Oh, God. Is that the clip you sent me? Just That's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in my life. In- inexcusable. Clearly, the players uh, not only are physically limited, but do not know the protections. They don't know them. Right. And, and I want to point out, like, when I say decisions, I don't just mean football. Like, I mean, like, my hair in senior year. Like, yeah. it's, it's one of the worst choices anyone's ever made. Yeah. It's just, you know, I'm going to dive inside and help the right guard. Just ex- extremely dumb. And, and so that, 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 that was really frustrating. And so, and so what happens is you get Max Duggan in second and 23, and he has a levels concept. He, he decided where to throw the ball before he threw it. It was a bad read. It was almost picked. And TCU said, oh, no, we can't afford to turn the ball over. And they clammed up, and they couldn't get enough of a push in the rushing game to sustain that offensive success. And so they absolutely played this nonsense, hey, we're gonna just going to try and control the ball offense, completely threw away their downfield passing until they were down two scores. And so 
we're back to the same exact problems in that the offensive line is poorly coached, the offensive line is not a cohesive unit, and the, the they don't trust an, uh, anyone to run the offense. No one wants to run the offense. Everyone wants to run offensive plays and make sure Gary doesn't get mad at them. That's Frankly, that's where we are. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and what a lot of it tells me, Parker, is that I don't want to stay up front too long, but the thing with the offensive line is that it's not just that the players aren't coached well, that the scheme is bad, that maybe they're not that talented. It's that clearly there's not enough depth behind them to replace them when they make bad decisions. Because Parker, the player in that clip at right tackle that made that decision, played every single snap of the game for TCU at right tackle. Yep. There's got to be some level of accountability to where when you screw up that bad, you at least get yanked for a series, and there's a replacement-level person you know, that can come in and just hold it down while you get reamed out on the bench, and then you get sent back in. Um, there, there's none of that. And again, I don't want to go back to the discussion we had earlier about building of the trenches, but that tells me the recruiting's not there, the coaching's not there, and it's, it's, it's a disaster up front. It really is. It really is. And, and again, I, I'm like – Friggin', what's his name? Joel Anderson or whoever is out here talking about take the game out of Max Duggan's hands. Hey, hey, hey. All right, all right, all right. No, what like what the hell like are you even doing? It would be so nice if college football was so easy as like, oh, actually we're playing the wrong quarterback. And like, just complete, it's so easy to look at the quarterback and be like, oh, he didn't make every single throw. And so I'm going to write him off summarily. Like there's no context around whatsoever. Like Spencer Rattler is struggling because of their offensive line. Like, offensive line matters so much. And when TCU can't win six-on-four protection consistently, that you, you can't expect any quarterback to come in and, 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 and succeed on that. Like, just absolutely insane. Um, and, and we're doing this over and over and over again. It's no, it, 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 it's, it's the definition of insanity. I mean, we said this going into the season. If the line isn't there, then we're screwed. Yeah. Well, guess what? The line's not there. It's not. And so quarterback becomes an offseason problem. Look, if, if Doug Meacham doesn't like what Duggan can do, fine. Go get another quarterback. Like, at this point, I don't care. Figure out what you want. But they don't know what they want, and they can't They can't get anyone else to come here because their offense has been terrible. Well, that's not true. They got Alex Dalton. And Chandler Morris. Uh, <laughs> their offense the, has been the terrible. The representative from the Democratic People's Republic of Stats Awards <laughs> refusing to react to my prompt. But no yes. one believes that they could – no quarterback in America believes that they'd come to TCU and improve their standing right now. That doesn't mean that's objectively true that they can't. That just means that's a perception, and, and that's what's – and so you just look at – you've got coaches talking about, oh, no, the SEC schools are paying my guys more money, and that's a, that's a problem. You've got offensive players um, struggling. You've got defensive players who should be on the field very publicly dealing with personal issues and, and complaining and stuff, and, like – just there is a pall, and, and it's frustrating because I think that the coaching staff believes they can do what they've always done, and they can continue to win, and they can eke out seven to nine wins every year, and it'll all be okay. And 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 realistically, it won't. So you brought up Sam Pittman earlier, and I, I'm less I'm less um, I'm more I'm more interested in Sam Pittman because it, I think if Gary Patterson is going to have a second act in college football. Right, that's where we're talking about now. Is is he going? To, is he is he going to fade out, or is he going to have a second act? Yeah. And if he's going to have a second act, what he's going to do is promote Paul Gonzalez and let him call the plays, get out of the play-by-play, get rid of this offensive head coach whatever nonsense, and hire an offensive coordinator he trusts to run the offense and let him run the offense. Go out of network, get somebody else. 
become a CEO. Clearly, Patterson knows how yeah. knows about program building. Clearly, he knows about um, you know the the, the 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 donor side of TCU and all of that. And yeah. I think by getting caught too much in the minutia and being behind a step and not not adapting enough, Patterson is um, unable to conduct all of the abilities, uh, all of the duties uh, required of all the positions that he's holding right now. And he needs to delegate more. He doesn't like to delegate more. He's not going to delegate more. But that, no. I, I realistically think that if he's going to have a second act, we're, we're going to see a drastic change in TCU football that's going to involve him becoming less involved in the on-field, yeah. play-to-play decision-making. Um, and, and I really, really don't know that that's going to happen, but that, that, that's where I'm at with this as a new thing, man. Like, who knows? They might line up and go beat TCU just or uh, Texas just because that's like the hell of, you know, how this works. And maybe Bethley's back and, and you know, the, maybe Daniels plays and Kari Coleman comes back. And actually this has all been, you know, Gary just wanted to beat Texas. And so he geared up for this and they've been practicing. What, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. We talk about that when we cross that bridge. But realistically, we're in a position where TCU football is stretched extremely thinly in so many directions and that's a great way to put it since dick bumpus left grant they've basically gotten more and more stretched every year they've gotten more and more fragilely tuned and 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 larger and larger margins for error or or, sorry smaller and smaller margins for error for what knocked them off course from year to year and and so i really do think that we're talking about an organizational problem where we, we we need substantial realignment in organization we need to fire friends or reassign friends. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is a subject that, that we can delve in more. Um, I know you didn't even want to talk about it tonight, but I'm, I'm glad I've led you that direction anyway because I wanted to hear your opinion on it. But I, I, I think you, you've, you, you hit the nail on the head with stretch too thin and that I think TCU football as a whole is, is just kind of balancing on the nice edge, right? I, I mean, you, you think about not even the great teams, right? Not even 2014, not even 2011, uh, whatever. Just, just the good teams and under Gary, and sure, some of those years in the Mountain West Conference, but whatever, or the WAC, or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, but TCU would regularly beat the hell out of people and beat the hell out of good to average teams, right? The good teams that TCU plays now are close games. And I know that's, that's a very lizard brain, like, you know, bird's eye take, but... Every single game now, Parker feels like a complete chore. And maybe that's life in the Big 12. I don't know. Maybe that's life for most college football teams. But golly, it seems like every single game is in the balance. You had a great, you had a great series of tweets earlier about TCU's performance against the spread uh, at home teams. What is two-thirds of the time TCU loses to the spread or, or, or beats the spread in home games? What was it? So uh, as a home favorite, TCU's only covered 23.1% of the time. That's awful. And they've only won 66.7% of the time, which is only better than Kansas in the Big 12. Um, it's yeah. like the Bobby Bowden thing of, uh, you know, Bobby Bowden's progression was you, you get crushed, you have crushing losses, then you win, and then you start winning big. And, yeah. and it, it feels like TCU is going from... It's regressing. Yeah, they're going the wrong direction on that scale. And um, yeah, okay, maybe the offense hasn't been as good as you want, but um, also is your defense giving up... 4.2 well, points per drive to SMU, part of part of the plan here? Is that part of what should be happening? Well, and, and even if, okay, the offense hasn't been as good as you want, and Gary's a defensive coach, well, guess what? He's still the head coach. So recruit players that can play in your offense. 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's still at, at some point it comes down to you have to build the program and you have to get the people in Fort Worth that can build your system. Yeah. Whatever system that is, you have to do it. Can I ruin your day a little more? I, I, I don't know that you, you can, but you can try. This is courtesy Matt Jennings. Courtesy the Hornfog Blitz board. Hypothetical, Gary retires. If this happens, who are realistic options? I feel like we would call Fickle, Napier, and Dykes. Who else and who accepts? The response. Kendall Bryles. A bad defense wouldn't matter with his offense. Um, there's an obvious answer at who will be the head, next head coach at TC. Fuente. Um, there is no world where Billy Napier takes this job because it is beneath him. There is no <laughs> He's not an idiot. Yeah. Where Kendall Bryles takes this job because it is beneath him. Also, uh, we should make it clear. We shouldn't offer Kendall Bryles this job. No, I mean, F that guy. I'm just saying. Right, right, right. TC's yeah, not yeah. even a position. That's, um, yeah. Luke Fickle, my, yeah, Luke Fickle, no. Luke Fickle has a better job than TCU <laughs> right now. Yeah, and then he'll be the next head coach at USC. So I don't know what the hell's going on, but yeah. Um, solve for the equilibrium about who is the only person who would come take TCU's job after Gary Gary wins six games the next two years and then retires. Well, I mean, my answer is Justin Fuente, but um, yep. yeah. Because guess what? Guess what? Jeff Trailer wants bigger. Well, I think Texas Tech's going to beat TCU to Jeff Trailer anyway. That's true. Yeah, they're going to fire Wells like next week. Who does Texas Tech play next week? That's a good side guys, real quick. Hey, listen, we actually have time. We have like five minutes. You want to do a big 12 quick run? Or no, we have three minutes. Eh, we don't have time. Um, I do want to see who Tech plays to see if they'll fire Wells next week. Yeah. While I'm looking this up, do you have any final thoughts? Look, look, man. Obviously, like this is this is a, a, a game where it would do where it, it it would do well for all of us to recalibrate our expectations and re- realistically, our expectations of what TCU should be are a, a, a solid defense and a, a middling to average to above average offense. And so, in a game when the offense performs like a middling to above average offense, and the defense plays like a sack of absolute garbage. You have to shut up about the offense. Um, we, we, we aren't even talking yeah. about the – we're not talking about the design. I have, my, I have my very specific, very niche qualms. Go look at that on Twitter. But I'm talking – this is about – this isn't about I disagreed with the way Doug Meacham responded to Duggan almost throwing a pick, right? That's, that's different. I'm mad about that. That's different. This is TCU does not have the athletes to line up against SMU and stop them from averaging seven yards a freaking carry. Yeah. A white fullback with a gosh dang neck roll, Grant. Mike Allstott is somewhere uh, toasting this man with a Budweiser heavy. By the way, Tech plays... I like like Mike Mike Allstott. By the way, uh, Tech plays West Virginia next week, so they're absolutely losing that, and Wells is absolutely getting fired after that game. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Listen, I mean, and I can have my qualms too. I mean, Lord knows I love Max Duggan, but he's, he's not completing deep passes and we, we're, we don't need to go into this i know we're running up on time and you have somewhere to be but yeah that's not a strength 
And TCU shouldn't ask him to throw those balls, but it would be nice if we had a quarterback that could complete them. No, okay. okay. Obviously, there's a big, there, there was a big drop in the end zone with Savion. Sorry drops, to rally you. There was a pass two drops. If he completes those three, I know, I, nobody's has it a leg to stand I know, so I know. I'm, I, it's not you. I love you. I'm sorry. I love you too. Parker, do you have anything else to say before you get to enjoy a nice dinner with your wife? I say this so much, Grant. Eternity begins anew each day. TCU can absolutely line up and go beat Texas. We'll talk about it later this week. I'll draw the will because TCU always beats Texas. This has been the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm Grant McGalliard at Twitter, on Twitter, at Grant McGalliard. Spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. He is Parker Fleming. He is on Twitter, at Stats of War. You can find him. He's had a lot of really insightful uh, threads, whatever you want to call them. Insightful tweets. There's no such thing as an insightful tweet. But an insightful thread or two in the last couple of days. Follow us. Uh, like us. Rate five stars and subscribe. Follow the Purple Theory newsletter, purpletheory.substack.com. And against my better judgment, Parker, go for all.